time to come together. Um, we will be on page 631 of the church Bibles. We'll be reading Psalm 24, 1 through 5 this morning. And as far as I know, we've got no one on the prayer list. We're going to pray. I did talk to Nina. Her back's not much better. We'll pray that she's got an MRI scheduled this week. So let's pray that all goes well there and uh, they figure out what's going on or the Lord intervenes first. We trust him in that. We've seen that too many times. So, all right. <clears throat> so thank the Lord we don't have a long list. <clears throat> all right, beginning in verse 1 of 24. The earth is the Lord's and all its fullness, the world and those who dwell therein. For he was founded, he has founded it upon the sea. I am guilty. 
has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord or who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has not lifted up his soul to an idol nor sworn deceitfully. He shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Amen. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you for your amazing love for us. And Lord, there's so much truth in this psalm. You are the one who put it all together. All that we know, all that we can imagine, all that we've ever seen and all that we will see, Father, is is all of your hands. Um, And I thank you for that. Thank you, Lord, that you would even come to us, give us a place to come and meet with you, that you would teach us, Lord, from your word today. We pray with humble hearts and hungry hearts, Lord, for your truth. We pray, God, you would show up. We thank you that we don't have a long list of prayer requests. Uh, Bless you, Lord. We do pray for the extended drought that we're in, Lord. I know you have the day marked when it will be no longer. And so we just trust you in that. We know you have that day marked already. So bless you in that. And, Lord, I pray for Nina. As the doctors tend to her this week, I pray, God, you give them wisdom. And even before they can uh, see her, I pray you would work in her body and, and give her healing. We bless you. We pray, God, your spirit be welcome here today. It's all these things we pray in the holy name of Jesus. Amen.
2017. Let's hear it. The loudest shout you've got in you. Give it to us.
morning. Well, we've been in John for a while, and we're going to continue in John today. In John chapter 13, and we're going to be on page 1241, page 1241 in the church's Bible. Last week, the Lord taught us some new understanding to the place where Jesus came and washed the feet of the disciples. And we're going to continue. So you have to kind of understand that Jesus is talking to his disciples that this is not the next day or the next week. This is all continuing. That Jesus is teaching them that night knowing that within the next the next 24 hours that he will be crucified. So last week we kind of concluded with the washing of the feet and the understanding that he placed this truth and this understanding of, of washing of, of each other's feet on the disciples. And so we're going to start just right there. 
in verse 14 and read through to help us to kind of start into today's message. So verse 14, it says, If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I do not speak concerning all of you. I know whom I have chosen. But the scripture may be but that the scripture may be fulfilled, he who eats bread with me has lifted up his heel against me. Now I tell you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe that I am he. Most assuredly I say to you, he who receives whomever I send receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. When Jesus had said these things, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Then the, disciple, then the disciples looked at one another, perplexed about whom he spoke. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. Simon Peter therefore motioned to him to ask who it was of whom he spoke. Then leaning back on Jesus' breast, he said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It is he whom I shall give a piece of bread, whom I have dipped it. And having dipped the bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. Now after the piece of bread, Satan entered him, and then Jesus said to him, What you do, do quickly. But no one at the table knew for what reason he said this to him. For some thought, because Judas had the money box, that Jesus had said to him, Buy those things that we need for the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. Having received the piece of bread, he then went out immediately and it was night. So then he had gone out, I'm sorry, so when he had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself, and glorify him immediately. Little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. You will seek me, and as I have said to the Jews, where I am going, you cannot come. So now I say to you, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered him, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterwards. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. Jesus answered him, Will you lay down your life for my sake? Most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow until you have denied me three times. 
So a powerful place as Jesus is speaking to his disciples in these last few hours and helping them to understand and to be somewhat ready for what might be happening. So he starts off in verse 18, and he says, I do not speak concerning all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but the scripture, but that the scripture may be fulfilled. He has eaten bread with me, has lifted up his heel against me. So Jesus is saying that he is not speaking to all of them in the message that he was saying that blessed are you who understand this place of washing each other's feet and that I, what I am doing to you. He recognized that Judas did not understand the fullness of what Jesus, who he was or what he was doing. And so he's saying that right off, he says, I, I know whom I've chosen. And so he's chosen. He's chosen them. And he's even chosen Judas. And I think you'll see this as we unfold this scripture. But that the scripture may be fulfilled. And, and so I want to look at that. It's on Psalm 41. If you'll put your marker here, we'll come right back. It's on page 645. David is writing this psalm, and, um, and it was a time where he had been uh, betrayed by Absalom. And we're going to look at verse 9. It says, Even my own familiar friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. He's turned against him. And so Jesus is quoting this scripture, and he's saying this was a place that scripture has laid out that must be fulfilled. It's been prophesied that this is the way that the enemy would use someone to try to get back and stop what the Lord's plan is. So in this place, he says, and you've lifted up your heel against me. You have turned your back on me, and, and you have um, betrayed me. Verse 19 says, now I tell you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe that I am. And, and if your Bible says, believes that I am he, that is in italics right there. You, italics, you can see that that was added in. That's not really in the Greek. Jesus was not saying, I am he. He is saying, I am. He is referring back to the place in Exodus where God told Moses to tell the children of Israel, I am. And so God, he is placing himself again in oneness with the Father. And he says, I am. But he says, I tell you before it comes that you may know uh, I tell you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe that I am he. So he is saying the things that I'm telling you now, you're going to be watching for. They're going to come to pass, and you will know then that I am, that I am God. 
So he's helping them to be aware of the things that he's going to be sharing with them. This is that place, and we talk about it all the time, where God told me years ago, and he said, I call my shots. And that's what prophecy is. It's where he lays out what's going to happen, and he calls his shots. Verse 20 says, Most assuredly I say to you, he who receives whoever, whomever I send receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. He's, he's telling the disciples, Now listen, I'm going to send you out. And whoever receives you, they receive me. Jesus. So they're saying, he's saying to the disciples, I'm going to send you out, and whoever receives you would receive Jesus. But he goes on to say, but not only would he receive Jesus, but the Father. And so he's pulling this all together, and he's saying, we're sending you out, the God head is sending you out but it will not come just yet but God is reminding him of these things that will come to pass in verse 21 it says when Jesus had said these things he was troubled in spirit this is the same verse that was used a little bit earlier and he used this word troubled it was over in 1133 if you want to turn back a page or two and um in 11.33, it says, Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. So you remember we talked about this. This word of groaning in the spirit is like a horse snorting. and so much anger and disturbed that he was actually shuddering. That is this place. He was that troubled. And so that's the same word in verse 21 here. When Jesus had said these things, he was troubled in his spirit. He was angry with what was going on. He could see the darkness that was happening, and he was troubled in his spirit. And, it's, and he said, most assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. That place where he's coming and is so troubled that he is, anger is just, in righteous anger, by the way, not anger like you and I might have over when things, situations happen, but he sees and the, understands the fullness of what is going on, and he is troubled and uh, frustrated and um, so distraught over this place. And what is he distraught over? This place that he speaks it out, what he's known. And he says, one of you will betray me. What's interesting about that is in the next uh, few verses, it helps us to understand how the disciples, they didn't even know what was going on. You know, when we think about Judas, we all go, oh, yeah, of course, it was Judas. But the disciples didn't see it that way. They were all together, and they had all been following Jesus, and Judas was among them, and he was one of the 12 chosen. And he was there when the miracles happened, and he was there in the teachings, and he was there as, as Jesus began to help them understand who he truly was, Judas. 
And so in verse 22, it says, Then the disciples looked at one another perplexed. See, they're looking around and they're like, Who could do this? We know each other. Who could be the one in here that would betray our Lord? Now there was a leaning on the bosom, on Jesus' bosom, one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. So I, I kind of love this picture because I think sometimes when we celebrate Passover, we have tables and we have chairs and we sit around. That is not how they were uh, at this Passover meal. But rather they were sitting at very small tables that were low to the ground. And they were made this way so that the people could sit around them. And they oftentimes would lean on each other. So they would lean in a way that they would be able to use their right hand to dip and to eat with. And they would lean on their, on their elbow low to the ground and kind of laid out. And so I see this place and I believe that from what it's telling us here, that probably John is laying on the right side of Jesus and laying back towards him. And then I believe Jesus is laying on the left side. And I thought, isn't it amazing how, Lord, you even orchestrated how these positions would be? Because it gives us this understanding that the one whom Jesus loved, and I love this place because John is not saying it's me, but he's saying the disciple whom Jesus loved, he knew. Now, I think he knew that Jesus loved each and every one of them. And I don't think this is saying that he, John felt like he loved him more. I don't think that's what it's saying. But rather, I think it's this place of understanding that he understood the depths of Jesus' love. And he grabbed hold of that. Peter, I believe, is sitting across some ways. And, and it says that therefore he motioned to him uh, to ask who it was he was whom he was speaking. And so I see Peter sitting across from John, and he's like, hey, hey, hey. Ask him who it is. Because we don't know. You know, we think about Judas, and we think if we were there with him every day, and, and for three years we've been walking through life and doing life together, surely we would know his heart, right? It seems right. But I see that Simon Peter, along with the rest, they're all saying, well, we don't know who, we don't know who this is. Then verse 25 says, Then, leaning back on Jesus' breast, he said to him, Lord, who is it? So John leans back, and he's, he's right there with Jesus, and he says, Lord, who, who is this? Who could this possibly be? And Jesus answered, it is he whom I shall give a piece of bread when I have dipped it. And so if you've celebrated Passover with us, you know that place when we come to the place when you take the unleavened bread, the matzah bread, and you dip it into the bitter herbs. 
Oftentimes the custom was is that the one before you would dip and hand it to the next person. And so such as it is, Judas is the next person right there on the left-hand side. And so Jesus dips and hands him the unleavened bread and the bitter herbs. I was thinking about this place of the picture in the unleavened bread, and we know that that unleavened bread represents Jesus. And that he was without sin and leaven. There was no leaven in the bread. So it did not rise. It was unleavened. It was very flat. It would not rise. And we see that Jesus had no sin. Nothing that would rise up in his flesh. But I also see this place of the, of the bitter herbs and I'm reminded as we've studied Passover that this place of the bitter herbs represented the slavery that they were in in Egypt. But it also represents the slavery that we are in to our sin. So I see in this place that as as the Bible speaks so often, it helps us to understand so many pictures here. Jesus is sitting here, and to his right hand is John. Immediately, if you look up right hand in understanding God's symbolism in the Bible, you go to a scripture that would say, and Jesus is at the right hand of God, right? Isn't that what comes to your mind immediately? In the right place. John is in the right place. But Judas is on the left. Jesus dips in. And this place of being enslaved to sin hands it to Judas. I see this place because Jesus was giving him one more time to think about where he was. I want you to look at a scripture. Look at um, chapter 13 across the page, verse 2, on page 1240 there. We studied this last week, and it says, And supper being ended, the devil, having already put it into his heart to betray him. The, you see, the devil having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. This is so important that we understand why John put these things here. I thought about this because you see just a few verses later, John doesn't know that that's what happened. But the Holy Spirit brought the fullness of all of this together when John began to write this gospel. Because at the moment that it's happening, John doesn't know what's going on with Judas. But Judas knows. And he knows exactly what happened. And if you remember, we talked about this, that the devil having put this thought this understanding into his heart. This word heart doesn't really mean heart, like your heart that's pumping, but rather it means the heart of who you are. 
It means your mind. It means your soul. It's your thoughts. It's who you are. And this is the way that Satan works not only here, but he works every time this way. You can mark this down. God is helping us to understand something so powerful right here. He's saying this is how the enemy works against you. And that place is where he takes a thought that's not of God and he implants that thought into your head. And at that moment, Judas had a choice. Because what the enemy implanted was, you should betray him. You know what betray means? To be disloyal. To be disloyal. To be not trustworthy. To be deceitful to a friend. So the enemy plants in Judas's head and he says, you, you should betray him. And what I want you to know is right there in that moment, Judas had a decision to make, a choice to make. And I want to tell you, it's the same with us today. Every time the enemy, he has not changed his tactics. Every time he brings a thought that's not of God, he implants it in your mind. You have an opportunity. You can either receive what the enemy has and betray your loyalty to the Lord, or you can cast out that spirit and that thought and say, I will have nothing to do with you. But Judas didn't cast it out. He received it. In fact, this morning, last night when I went to bed and I was asking the Lord for a title because I didn't really have a title for this message. It, it's such a powerful message and a little overwhelming in some ways. And the Lord got up this morning and he said, here's your title. This is so powerful. He said, a choice to betray. You see, sometimes people think that Judas was planted there and that he didn't have a choice. And that is not true. You know how come I know that's not true? Because the Bible says Jesus died for all. And the heart of God is for all to come to, to know him and to be saved. But in the same time that the heart of God was for Jesus to turn, and G, I'm sorry, for Judas to turn, and Jesus' heart was for Judas to turn, in the same sense, he knew that he wouldn't. He didn't make him a puppet so that he had to go down this road. He didn't do that. But he knew before the foundation of this earth and before the plan would unfold 
that this is how it would be. But I see right here in this place, Jesus is giving him one more chance to choose. Because in verse 26, he says, Jesus answered when everybody is saying, who is it? Who is it? Judas is knowing it's him. He's not the one going, who is this? He knows it's him. He knows that thought's in his head. He knows the darkness is implanted there. And Jesus said, it is he. He didn't say it's Judas. He didn't. He's giving him a chance. You have to see the love of Jesus in this place. This love that is beyond what you and I can even imagine. That his heart is for each of us. And Judas says, it is he to whom I shall give a piece of bread when I have dipped it. But it's funny how the disciples see that. He gives it to Judas. And then in verse 27 it says, Now after the piece of bread now after the piece of bread Satan entered him, then Jesus said to him, What you do, do quickly. If there's any of the verse more scary than this one I don't know of it if you underline in your Bible this is a great place to underline Satan entered him and then I would underline that verse too where it says Satan put the thought into his heart but you see the place was planted by Satan in verse 2 and in that place Judas decided to agree with the enemy and so Jesus talks for a few minutes only a few minutes takes place here You, you know, you may not have realized it, but Jesus washed his feet just before this all happened. Jesus was giving him a chance for the darkness to be washed off of him. He could have chosen right then. He could have chosen right here when Jesus is handing him this piece of bread with the bitter herbs, reminding him of his being enslaved to the enemy, he could have made a choice. Jesus was giving him every opportunity to choose. But he didn't. He took the bread and he ate it. I see the arrogance. I see the pride. I see the rebellion. 
that he joined up with the enemy. And then Jesus says, what you do, do quickly. If you look this up, what, it, what it's really saying is Jesus is saying, do this more quickly than you'd even planned. Get on with it. I know this is coming. I know you've agreed. Do it quickly. But not just quickly, more quickly than you'd even planned. But let's look at the disciples. In verse 28, it says, But no one at the table knew for what reason he said this to him. You know, they're thinking, Oh, man, this, he's one of us. Why would you, why would you say this like this, Jesus? And, and then for some thought, because Judas had the money box, that Jesus had said to him, Buy those things we need for the feast or that he should give something to the poor. Surely he's saying something to Judas that we don't understand. That's where the disciples are. They're going, we don't really understand what's going on here, but none of this makes sense to us. Verse 30 said, Having received the piece of bread, he went out immediately, and it was night. I thought, isn't it funny how... John helps us to see one more time the darkness. And we remember back in Genesis where God helped us to define this understanding of day and night and how he divided the night from the day. He divided the light from the darkness. And he's giving us a picture in this night not to just say the stars are out. He's saying it's the fullness of of death is here the fullness of darkness is here the destruction the chaos it's void all the things the pictures that he helped us to understand in genesis he's telling us he's saying that's where it is that's what's going on right here it's the darkest of dark places So when he had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified. And God is glorified in him. That is so hard for us to understand, isn't it? All of this is happening, and Jesus says, Okay, now the Son of Man is glorified. What he is saying to us is he's saying, Now everything is in order to be fulfilled. He could have chosen. But Jesus knew before time that he wouldn't. But he gave him every opportunity. But he knew he wouldn't. But did Judas have free will? Absolutely. He had a choice. But now that he's chosen, the Son of Man can be exalted, can be lifted high. But if you remember, that word also means can be crucified. It's all going to come together. And he's saying, and God is glorified in him, in Jesus, in this place, in this plan that as it all comes together, 
God will be glorified. Verse 32 says, If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him immediately. Jesus is not being glorified for what man is doing and has done and is about to do. Jesus is not being glorified because of what man is doing. Jesus is being glorified for what he did, he is doing and will do for mankind. Where he will pay the penalty, where he will pay the cost for sins for everyone who receives him. It's funny because he wrote about that a little earlier. If you remember over here in verse 20, he said, Most assuredly I say to you, he who receives whomever I send receives me. And he who receives me receives him who sent me. So even in that, he's helping us to understand this verse 32, that those who receive Jesus... That is what glorifies God. That he orchestrated a plan, that Jesus was the instrument that would overcome the enemy. That in this place of crucifixion, Jesus would be exalted. He would have the final reign. He would overcome the enemy. So he is exalted, not by what God, but by what man is doing, but what God is doing in this place. Jesus comes on and continues, and he says, "Little children." I love that place. I hear the heart. I hear the heart of Jesus as he gathers those who have received close. And he says, little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. You will seek me. And as I've said to the Jews, where I'm going, you cannot come. So now I say to you, so he's saying, I'm going to only be here a little while longer. I know you don't understand all these things, but they're going to make sense as you watch this unfold. And then he tells them again, this place, or tells them this place that we studied last week that I think is bringing all of this together. The foot washing, being a servant, being a follower, being loyal and not betraying him. He brings it together 
and he wants to say this one thing. Because if you see that right there, it says, no, now I say to you, and then it, he's going to say what is so important. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, and that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. The most important thing of this hour is that Jesus is saying, you must understand this. I'm giving you, and this word new, remember we talked about this, it's not new as meaning brand new, but rather it's meaning refreshed. But I love this. It means not found like this before. Not found like this before. That the love that we've talked about in the Old Testament that you were taught about, to love your neighbor as yourself, it's that understanding, but it's enlarged to something that's never been taught to you before. It's been so refreshed. It's exploded to this place that you would love each other as I have loved you. And he says, this is how people are going to know that you're my disciples. You know what that word disciple means? Follower. Jesus doesn't say, you will go down and you will say a prayer and people will know you're my followers. He doesn't say, you'll go to church every Sunday and people will know you're my followers. He doesn't say, you'll do all the churchy things and that's how you'll be known as a follower. But he says, if you love like I love. they will know that you are my follower. What a high calling. We talked about this some last week, but such a high calling. In verse 36, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered him, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterwards. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. And Jesus answered him, will you lay down your life for my sake? Most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow until you have denied me three times. The Lord was talking to me in this last little bit, and he said, you see... Where Satan entered Judas over here and implanted an understanding that Judas aligned with and later gave an opportunity for the enemy to enter is not the same place where Peter is going to 
deny the Lord. But it looks so close, doesn't it? One opened the door to the enemy to control his life and possess his life from that day on. And, and it ends in death. And one aligns with the enemy, but unintentionally. It was not his heart to betray Jesus, but rather fear took over. I want to show you a couple of scriptures to look at just real quickly. Look with me at um, pay, Matthew 27, page 1147. starting in verse 1 on chapter 27. And when morning came, all the chief priests and elders of the people plotted against Jesus to put him to death. And when they had bound him, they led him away and delivered him to Pontius Pilate, the governor. Then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned, was remorseful, sorryful. He was sorry. And he brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. And they said, what is it? I'm sorry, what is that to us? You say, you see to it. Then he threw down the pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. Wow. He was sorry. He was sorry he did that. He was sorry. Now I want you to turn a few pages back and go to Matthew 26. Just one page back on it. Uh, oh, it's just across the page, I think, actually. Um, 26.75. I'm sorry, it's one verse above where we were. <laughs> and it says... And Peter remembered the word, uh, let's start in 74. And then he began to curse and swear, saying, I do not know that man. Immediately a rooster crowed. And Peter remembered the words of Jesus, who had said to him, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Now turn with me to Luke. It's on page 1215. That's where I want to go. It's Luke 22, and we're going to start in verse 56. They've arrested Jesus and brought him into the priest's house. And verse 56 says, And a certain servant girl, seeing him as he sat by the fire, looked intently at him, and said, and he, she's talking about Peter, this man was also with him. 
But he, Peter, denied him, saying, Woman, I do not know him. And after a little while, another saw him and said, You also are of them. But Peter said, Man, I am not. Then after about an hour had passed, another confidential another confidently affirmed saying surely this fellow also was with him for he is a Galilean but Peter said man I do not know what you are saying immediately while he was still speaking the rooster crowed and the Lord turned and looked at Peter then Peter remembered the word of the Lord and how he had said to him before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. So Peter went out and wept bitterly. So what is the difference? God knows your heart. God knew the heart of where Judas was and that he had a heart that would betray Jesus. He was not loyal. He was not a follower. Peter denied him three times, but he loved the Lord. And his heart was that of a follower. I think the place that was challenging for me today is to see this place of the love that Jesus had for Judas as he offered so many opportunities for Judas to change and to join into where Jesus was and not where the enemy was. So I believe today as we read this, it gives us an opportunity to come and look at these situations knowing where our heart is. You see, Judas knew. He knew where his heart was. He wasn't taken by surprise that it was him. He knew he had aligned with the enemy. And he knew he hadn't chosen to repent. And Jesus knew his heart. So I pray if we're sitting here today that we would be willing to come before the Lord with any place that God has shown us that is in alignment with the enemy and not in alignment with him. And that we would not just be sorry as Judas was sorry that he had done something. Sorry didn't change him. Repentance, turning from it, seeing that sin, bitterly weeping, bringing Peter to a place where he turned from that place and walked into the fullness that God had for him. Was a mighty servant of Jesus. I think today we each have those places that God is giving us one more chance. That Jesus is sitting here and saying, you have one chance today. Choose whom you will serve. Stand with me.
Does our God 